1: Believers know that Jesus is the Messiah and base their belief on, number one, the testimony of the many witnesses who saw him exercise his divine authority in performing the miracles as he walked this earth. Number two, the fact that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies concerning the coming Savior or Messiah, as the Jews would call him. And number three, the irrefutable historical fact of his resurrection as promised.
2: Welcome once again to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And all this week as we look toward Christmas, he's talking about Jesus, the promised Messiah, and the evidences of how he fulfilled that promise.
1: Now thrones were passed from generation to generation through a family line. Succeeding generations could receive the throne either through bloodline or marriage or adoption. And Jesus was of the lineage of King David, not only through Joseph, but also through Mary, if you read the lineage that is provided in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3. Matthew chapter 1 begins, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now next we find that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. Now, you know, there have been some... Uh, suggestions that Jesus, being a rabbi and knowledgeable of the prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the Savior Messiah, could manipulate His life to fulfill some of those. And uh, let me suggest to you that this is one among many that He could not have manipulated, because He was still in the womb. Okay? It's from Micah 5.2. He says, "...but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel." whose origin is from old, from ancient days. So here's what it says. A future ruler from the ancient past will come forth from Bethlehem Ephrathah. Now, Bethlehem means house of bread. So how appropriate is that the bread of life should come from the house of bread, Bethlehem. It was also uh, called originally Ephrath, and uh, it's also called Bethlehem Ephrathah, Bethlehem Judah, and the city of David. It was the city uh, where uh, Rachel was uh, buried. It was uh, near to the place where the story of Ruth unfolded. It was the place where David was born and later was anointed king. And it's only about five miles south of Jerusalem. How many miles? Five miles. You know, back then, people traveled, most people traveled by, by foot. And if you traveled at about four miles an hour, it wouldn't take you a little bit more than an hour to travel the five miles. Now, here's the story. Wise men come from the east. And when we say wise men, many of the songs talk about three wise men. We don't know how many wise men there were. We know there were three gifts that are identified. But there could have been many wise men. Wise men from the east were rich. They were rulers. They were well-educated. And, uh, you know, they came with their entourage and their bodyguards and all this. They come into Jerusalem. How far is Jerusalem from Bethlehem? They come into Jerusalem from hundreds of miles away. They go and they meet with Herod. And they say, we want to uh, find this king that is born. We saw a star, and we want to go worship him. So Herod goes and gets the religious leaders in Jerusalem. He says, where is... How far is Jerusalem from Bethlehem? (laughs) He goes and he gets the religious leaders. He says, I want to know where the uh, Messiah, where the Savior is going to be born. And this is the passage from Micah that they point to. But it doesn't say anywhere that the religious leaders traveled five miles to go and see what was going on. And it doesn't say that Herod traveled five miles to go and see what was going on. But those wise men who had traveled hundreds of miles went the five miles, and we know the rest of that story. You know, there's something else that compounds this miracle. It's a compound miracle, if you will. And that is the very fact that Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem at all. You see, that was not their hometown. They were from Nazareth. And the only and, and, and Mary was quite pregnant. And when you're quite pregnant, you don't travel real easily, you know? My wife was six months pregnant when we went to Hawaii. Won't do that again. Mary is quite pregnant, and yet they travel, they go to Bethlehem. Why do they go to Bethlehem? Because there's been a tax that has been required by Caesar. And that's why Joseph and Mary are in Bethlehem at the time of Jesus' birth. Now, who but God could arrange for a massive, slow bureaucracy like the Roman government to require Joseph and Mary to be in Bethlehem at the exact time of Jesus' birth so that the prophecy could be fulfilled? Compounded miracles. We find next from Isaiah 7, 14, that the Savior was to be born of a virgin. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Now, Mary was a virgin of about 13 years of age, maybe 14, maybe 15. They married much younger back then. And some have suggested that this word, this Hebrew word, could also mean a young, devout religious girl. Not necessarily a virgin, but a young, devout religious girl. Well, let me ask you, what is a young, devout religious girl? She's a virgin, right? A virgin is a young, devout religious girl. She's not a virgin. She's not a young, devout religious girl. All right. Now, some people have problems with the concept of the virgin birth at all. And by doing that, they're really ignoring the words of the angel. The angel said, nothing will be impossible with God. Jesus said, nothing is impossible with God. So if the God that you have in your mind, there's something that's impossible for him, you don't have the real God in your mind. You have manufactured a false God. Now, next, from Isaiah 35, we find out that the Savior would heal people. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Is the scripture not full of stories, examples of Jesus going about and healing. And he still does today. Miraculous. We still get information in the office about somebody going to the doctor and they're not being able to explain what happened. We know what happened. (laughs) Glory to God. And from Zechariah 9.9, we find out that the Savior would receive a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It reads, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Rejoice aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation, is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Now, in order for this prophecy to be fulfilled, it would require the ready participation of hundreds, if not thousands of people. And it was fulfilled in Jesus. From Psalm forty-one nine, we find out that the Savior would be betrayed by a friend. Even my close friend, whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Now, in those three years that Judas traveled with Jesus, many times they broke bread together. We're told that the last supper, he was put in the place of honor, which means he sat right next to Jesus. No doubt they would have broke bread together at that time. And then we find from Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 and 13, and this is, this is just awesome right here. We find that the Savior would be sold for 30 pieces of silver, and furthermore, the money would be returned to the temple for a potter. Wow. It says, Then I said to them, If it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver. Not 29, not 40, not 30 quarters, not 30 something or others, 30 pieces of silver. Then the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter the lordly price at which I was priced by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. This is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. Who other than God would know that the money that was thrown back into the temple would be in any, related, in any way related to a potter? Now, this is a story of Judas. He was paid the 30. He, he betrayed Jesus. He realizes that he's done wrong. He comes back. He says, I have I've, I've, I've betrayed an innocent man. The, the religious leaders say, what is that to us? That's your problem. And he throws the money into the temple. He goes out and he hangs himself. The religious leaders get together. They say, Hey, we can't put this money back in the treasury. It's blood money. We've got to do something with it. And they get together and have a meeting. At the meeting, they say, what are we going to do with it? Somebody says, hey, let's buy the potter's field. Now, you would think of this group of religious leaders. Somebody would be going through their "Hmm, 30 pieces, temple, potter's field. I've read that somewhere. No, you don't want to do that. Because those religious leaders hated Jesus. And they wouldn't intentionally want to help him fulfill the prophecies that would indicate that he's the, the Messiah, the Savior. And that's exactly what they did. Now, furthermore, because of this prophecy, we know that there can't be any more candidates for Jesus because the temple is no longer around. It hasn't been since 70 A.D., so it can't be fulfilled, anyone after 70 A.D. In Isaiah 50, verse 6, we find that the Savior would be smitten and spat upon. In Isaiah 53, 12, we find that the Savior would be crucified with sinners. In Psalm 22, verses 6 and 8, we find that the Savior would be mocked and insulted. It reads, All those who see me mock me and they make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Do we recognize his words? Those are the words that were spoken at the, at the, at the, at the feet of Jesus as he hung on the cross. And some of those words came from the religious leaders. Again, who you'd think, I, it, with their hatred of Jesus, they wouldn't want to do anything that, that might help fulfill him, help fulfill those prophecies. And yet they did. And then we find from Psalm 22, the Savior's hands and feet would be pierced and soldiers would cast lots for his garment. Now, Psalms 22 was written over a thousand years before Jesus walked this earth. And it was written hundreds of years before crucifixion was even devised by mankind. And this is what it reads, for dogs encompass me. Now, dogs in the Old Testament was a reference to uncircumcised Gentiles. Romans would have been uncircumcised Gentiles, so this has been a reference to them. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count my all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Wow. Written a thousand years before Jesus Christ. Now, there were many crucifixions in Rome, but there were not many crucifixions where the soldiers got together and threw lots for the, for the, for the uh, prisoners' clothes. But there was some garment that Jesus had that they didn't want to divide in such a fashion that they normally did. And so in the case of Jesus, they did cast lots for who it would be that received um, those clothes. And we'll pick it up from
2: there on the next edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. So glad you've joined us. What a great overview of the prophecies concerning Christ's birth. If you'd like to study this material again, you can go to our website at studyversebyverse.com and download the programs, including uh, the others that we have shared that are related to Christ's coming throughout the month of December. This has been a special month for us uh, with uh, Study Verse by Verse as we've featured Christmas content every single day. If you'd like to join with us as a financial partner, especially here at the end of the year, you can do that safely on that website. Again, studyversebyverse.com. And, of course, it's always a great encouragement just to know that you're listening. You can share that fact with us as well at that website. Information about Church of the Highlands is on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And if you're old school, you can give them a call at 650-873-4095. There are special services coming up, and you can find out all about those on the website again, highlands.us. Have a great rest of your day. Come back on Wednesday at this same time when we'll once again open the Word of God primarily in the Old Testament and study with Pastor Leighton Sheely verse by verse